while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join us this evening. We'll also take your messages on the app. Um, got a good show ahead for you today at 9 o'clock. Will Senate, the New Bedford Lights, going to be joining us. He wants, uh, I, I wanted him to talk about his recent story on the rooming house fire and the um, myriad building code violations that were found uh, upon uh, investigation after the, uh, after the fire um, that left a few people dead. There was another fire um, in the north end as well uh, that displaced four. Uh, so this is becoming a trend once again, which is unfortunate. I would um, direct everybody to the uh, fire, uh, to the segment, um, to the, I would direct everyone to the segment um I did with Anthony Puente last week uh, about uh, with some helpful fire safety tips. Uh, it's in the podcast. You can go to WBSM.com, the WBSM app. You can go anywhere podcasts are offered and check it out. I did see some throughout the day today in Fairhaven, my town, and many of yours, uh, some signs that say, say no to Prop 2.5 with multiple exclamation points um, or vote no to Prop 2.5. With multiple exclamation points. Now, my now, I mean, I would interpret that as I would interpret that as vote no to override two and a half. Um, I think that that feels like the tenor of it, but it's not entirely clear. Uh, frankly, um, it just says vote no on two and a half or two point. Actually, vote no on two point five is what it says. So I would probably interpret it as vote no to override prop two and a half, but I'm on, but I can't say for certain it's not, you know, vote no on two and a half. Like let's do away with two and a half here in Fairhaven. Let's, let's, let's do it. You know, let's override it. I think you could interpret it that way as, as well. I don't think it's, I don't think that's the message. I frankly think the sign should be a little bit clearer um but uh, it is nice seeing people engaging in their civic duty we're going to talk about that a little bit later in fact later on this week leon Corey, who's a fairhaven select board member has been uh the past year or so is going to vice chair right now maybe the chair at some point uh who knows um i know they're doing some reorganization i don't know how that's going to work i you know not privy to it but 
uh, Leon Corey uh, is going to be joining me Thursday at 7 p.m. to talk about the uh, to talk about the two and a half override from their perspective. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Um, and again, we've got Will Senna at nine. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We'll take your messages on WBSM app. So uh, actually, Saturday I got to fill in for. I got to fill in for Jess on her show. Uh, last minute was she wasn't available. Um, I was I happened to be talking to Tim. He asked me to come in, so I said, "Cool, yeah, it'll be fun to be in my old slot." And it was fun. It was nice. Uh, there was some different callers that I uh, that uh, I you know some there was some some different some some uh, familiar callers, some different callers, uh, some familiar app chatters, some different app chatters. So it was cool to have. Um, it was cool to be. Uh, in that audience with with Jess's audi- uh, with Jess's audience in a slot that I I was originally in um, that slot was actually made uh, when that slot was created it was the Marcus Farrow show as some of you may remember and then uh, I elevated uh, to a uh, weekday weeknight but you know a five day a week uh, programming slot so really thankful for that but i you know i couldn't have done it without uh the, the the experience and the fun i had um in that saturday afternoon slot and i i think jess has done a good job and i think um you know i i think what we've you know what i did and what she did what she's doing now i it, it dem- kind of demonstrates um i think the power of just three hours of, of airtime uh what kind of conversations you can move in in, in just three hours per week of airtime a saturday afternoon slot you know uh, some may say it's kind of uh, unremarkable, but I think it's actually a fantastic slot, especially with the podcast too. So, you know, it's got re-listenability. Got it has listenability for everybody, no matter what their schedule is. And um, you know, I, I think it was a lot of fun. I, I would definitely do that again if the uh, if the converse, if uh, the opportunity arose. Not too much, <laughs> not too much, but here and there, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind hopping in in my old. Um, my old time slot. So anyway, uh, 508-996-0500. One of the things I was talking about when I was filling in for Jess on Saturday was this new proposal um, I had learned about, I believe, on Friday. And it was about, and I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, on the air on Friday, but it was about the right for um, re, um, basically a proposal by two State lawmakers in Massachusetts here, uh, Somerville, uh, Somerville Rep. Erica Eiderhoven and um, uh, Boston Senator Lydia Edwards. And they each have their own proposals to reinstate the right to vote for people serving a felony sentence. So, as you know, there's only there's only a couple states in the entire country, and they're both in New England, that allow people to vote in prison no matter what. And that's Vermont and that's Maine. You can vote in prison no matter what, no matter what you're held on, You uh, whether it's a felony conviction, whether it's life sentence, no matter what, you can vote in Maine, no matter what your, 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 um, whether or not you're incarcerated, no matter what you're incarcerated for. So, Vermont's the same way. Massachusetts is different. Massachusetts, uh, I believe in the last 20 years, Massachusetts in 2000 actually revoked uh, via a ballot referendum, 
revoked a or it put in a constitutional amendment that had said basically that um basically that felons people who are serving time for a felony cannot vote now you can vote when you get out but you can't vote while you're in prison they in Massachusetts I believe in Utah as well they I think they implemented a similar rule via ballot referendum and again 20 years ago I think attitudes have changed definitely around criminal justice around uh, you know, attitudes towards people who are incarcerated, attitudes towards people who ha- are committing and have committed crimes about some of the root causes of that, right? About some of the, um, you know, how draconian the criminal justice system can be and how that can play a role into someone's likelihood of reoffending. I think actually you can tell that attitudes have changed just by looking at some of the criminal justice uh, type of elections that have happened throughout the Commonwealth uh, related to offices, uh, related to specific offices surrounding criminal justice issues. You had on the Cape um, offices change hands to more progressive uh, offices that were long held by Republican, tough on crime type of sheriff and uh, sheriff and DA. And then you had an election with a you know, similar Republican tough on crime types of sheriff candidates uh, and DA candidates. And they lost to appreciably more progressive Democrats over on the Cape and Islands. Right. And one of those uh, one of those seats, the, 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 the Cape and Island DA seat was held basically by the same Republican regime for about 40 years. Uh, it was held first by Phil, uh, by uh, by um, DA uh, Rollins. Who, who held that, uh, who held that seat when it was first created. And that, because New Bedford actually used to be part of the Cape and Islands district. It used to just be the Southeast district. And then they severed it. Um, it was shortly after the, uh, I think it had, you know, it was kind of following the wake of the Chappaquiddick case because the, the, the DA at that time was actually from, uh, New Bedford. And then, um, then Rollins had, uh, successfully lobbied the legislator to, to create a Cape and Islands, to sever the Southeast District, to create the Bristol County DA's office and the Cape and Island uh, DA's office. Um, but that was basically, he had the office for 30 years, or he had the office for 20-something years, and then his deputy, Michael O'Keefe, had the office for 20-something years. Um, Michael O'Keefe was, uh, I think he, he took the office in like 2002. He stepped down. He wanted his deputy to run the office, so they wanted to go for like you know, half a century of basically having the same Republican regime uh, control that office. But the Democrat, um, an appreciably more progressive, um, with a pre- appreciably more progressive um, prosecutorial style, ended up winning that office. I bring that up because I think it's important to frame this conversation because we're going to talk, a, you know, we talk about reinsta- reinstating the right to vote for prisoners who are serving a felony sentence you know, they, you know, people are going to point to the fact that, oh, well, it's been voted on. Sure. And we talk about that sometimes with the sometimes with the uh, the ballot questions that the city councils put forward, like, oh, it's been voted on. Well, OK, it was, vo- you know, 
the the ballot questions the city council was voted on just like you know five six years ago um and there's been no indication that people are unsatisfied with what they voted for in this particular circumstance this was 20 years ago this was in the year 2000 it was first proposed by governor solucci i think in 1997 i think attitudes have shifted significantly in the last 20 years i think it's very clear and i think there's demonstrative evidence based on again the results of some of these elections the cape and islands da race would be um a a prime example you also have of course the bristol county sheriff's race right that's another good example um you had you know where you had a a, a republican uh, appreciably more progressive candidate in a law enforcement slash criminal justice type of office beat a longtime incumbent more tough on crime type of candidate as well so again i think you're seeing shifting attitudes towards now there's only one uh, republican da left it's uh, it's tim cruz I like Tim Cruz. I, I think Tim's a good guy. I've had him on the show a, a couple times. Uh, he's here for the debate. Um, pretty sensible, not very, uh, not not a very scary Republican like some of some other some others some other Democrats might think are scary Republicans. I don't think Tim Cruz fits that mold. But the point I'm trying to make is, and I think you can see it even in the uh, the uh, Attorney General's election, where I think Andrea Campbell has a real uh, progressive platform, even more Healy who is, I think, definitely moderated herself quite a bit, but I think has often been seen as uh, definitely appreciably more progressive than Charlie Baker, than Jeff Deal, especially on issues of of criminal justice. So attitudes here in Massachusetts, I think uh, nationwide, but really attitudes in here in in Massachusetts have changed. You had uh, Rachel Rollins with her, um, you had Rachel Rollins with her, um, with her, her, uh, her cases, her, her, um, her, her do not prosecute list, which had a significant impact on the crime rate. The crime rate dropped precipitously during her time as as DA. So Kevin Hayden, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more on the, con- a little bit more conservative than Rollins, but there were some different things playing out in that race. And I think Kevin Hayden still does believe in case diversion. So I bring this all up because I think this is an important, I think what is being proposed, um, and by the way, we see your calls online. We're going to get to them at 508-996-0500. I see what's being proposed in the state house on behalf of prisoners who are currently serving a sentence for felony convictions. And I think actually um, re- restoring their right to vote, I think would be an important way to you know, allow people who are serving these sentences to have some more engagement with their community, which, you know, we do know in contact and engagement with the world outside of the prison is a proven way um, to lower the rate of reoffending in an individual, in 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 someone who's incarcerated. But 508-996-0500, we'll also take your messages on the app. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Marcus, how are you? Hey, Barry, what's up? Hey, two things. So uh, if you could, uh, a favor to me, Marcus, uh, old guys like us, articles that you write, um, it, it's important for us. I, I go and read them all the time. Are you, able to, are you able to uh, like monitor the hits of how many people go and read your articles? Yeah, every day. Oh, you are? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I would encourage all of you, McCarthy, everybody, to write more articles because uh, you're, you're our lifeline to, you know, to what's going on. Uh, and secondly, um, just 
just by chance. So Donna Buckley, you know, the, uh, the, the new sheriff. Yeah. So good friend of mine and uh, her husband, Troy uh, Clarkson, he's the uh, CFO of Brockton, city of Brockton uh, under Mia Sullivan. Oh, interesting. So I, I was that. on. Yeah, yeah, yep. So I was down uh, uh, with Donna going door to door. And um, so, I mean, I never thought I would find myself leaving here uh, on a Saturday morning, giving up my boat time to go work for Donna, but going door to door. And I have to tell you something. I had no idea. You talk about progressiveness and, and what's going on. I had no idea the amount of people uh, that knocking on doors down the Cape, wealthy homes. They have a huge uh, drug crisis down there, Marcus. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, they did. The, I, I thought some a major TV network. I think it was HBO or something did a did a documentary on it called it like Cape Cod USA. Yeah, they had a, a big heroin problem. Yep, and, and not having not uh, you know Republican. It's not it's not a uh, it's not a partisan or, or a party issue. So going door to door, and I knocked on. Uh, uh, I, I came up to a farm stand, a, a beautiful farm bunch of people buying eggs uh you know that morning and i had all done his things and uh so the, the kid come out is uh you know like muck boots look like a hunter he's working the farm and uh so he said to me and i i couldn't believe this he said of 10 of his best friends from high school nine of them have gone in and out of jail because of the opioid it's it's, it's opioid uh uh epidemic down sure. there yeah I had no idea. And yeah. then he also said to me that there was one guy that was responsible for selling the drugs to all of these nine friends that were incarcerated. Yeah, I, I bet. Like why can't we? Why can't we figure that out? Yeah, I mean, if it isn't, I, I mean, one of the big things is, I guess, stopping the supply of 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 opioids into you know and in, 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 you know illicit markets but there's still other ways for people to get a hold of them i think it's a matter of of providing more access to treatment right yeah and, and like you said marcus these are good high school friends that he's been friends with forever and they just fell into this this addiction and they were all incarcerated and that's that was donna buckley's big thing she was about uh, you know the, the the addiction, the mental health, and curing these people and resistance, all the things that you talk about. But I was taken by the fact that that I was down there going door to door in the you know in the heat of the uh, of the summer and talking to people. I had no I you know coming from New Bedford, it's one thing to hear people talk about that, but being down in in in, in Hyannis and in areas like that, I couldn't believe it, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, it's it's a huge problem, even in these wealthy areas. You know, it, it's 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 one of those things that uh, I think that is dr like drug use. It's kind of funny because it affects different demographics in different ways, as far as the criminal justice goes. But drug use and drug abuse and all that across the spectrum is pretty even. You know, and, and across demographics, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a huge problem. Yep, it is. All right, well, write more letters, Marcus. We love you. Keep it going. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate him mentioning that. Yeah, WBSM.com. You can check out our articles. It's important, actually. If you can read them, it's a big help. It's a big help to us. Uh, so go check them out. And, I, you know, not just to help me. I want to think. I want to think it's a help to you as well.
that's why I write them, you know. I hope it's a help to you as well. Uh, not just not don't just help me get some more page views, but help uh, help yourself um, learn learn stuff. I if, if if I'm teaching you anything, I don't know. That that'll be for you to decide. And not really if I'm teaching you anything. If I'm communicating what other people are trying to teach you. So like you know, I had a I had a uh, you know my most recent article is um, about. Uh, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow raising these, um, increasing the training requirements for correctional officers. So I think that one's a pretty interesting piece. You can read it just to see. And I'm going to have the sheriff on actually next week. I mean, not next week, this Thursday, uh, following his 100 days press conference on, uh, on Thursday. So that first 100 days, that's like a thing, you know, um, that, I think that started to be a thing in Roosevelt's term for president, first 100 days. It's kind of an arbitrary measure because it's like, what, three months and 10 days, something like that, right? It's kind of an arbitrary uh, It's kind of an arbitrary metric for, like, your success because even in three months, it's hard to get stuff done, you know, in terms of uh, elected government, uh, in, in elected office and in, in, in government, but... Well, it's a nice round, like, you know, it's nice like a round figure that uh, people can, you know, sink their teeth into. And I actually think there's been a lot of, you know, changes happening already at the sheriff's office, obviously, with the change in leadership. So um, I'll be looking forward to, to speaking with him. Um, and maybe we can get uh, some of the, you know, I actually had um, Donna Buckley on, uh, like, right after she won, back in December. And I had the I had the DA on as well, uh, uh, Rob um, Rob Galvoy's. So um, they were great. Uh, I you know I like talking to them. I know um, I know I know uh, Sheriff Buckley actually. The very first thing she did was basically um, uh, end the two eighty seven G agreement. So there's no uh, there's no I don't think there's a single sheriff's office in. New England that has a contract with uh, with with ICE, but again, I think a, a, a reflection on how the values have changed around uh, criminal justice and and uh, reform and all of that. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. I'm Marcus Farrow. This is South Coast tonight. <laughs> Welcome back to South Coast Night. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join us this evening. We'll also take your messages on the app chat. If you want to text us a message on the app chat, we can read it on the air. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. So um, we were talking about uh, this proposal uh, by two Massachusetts lawmakers. Again, Rep. Erica Eiderhoven from Somerset and uh, State Senator Lydia, Lydia Edwards uh, in Boston to... Um, allow f- to repeal basically a Massachusetts constitutional amendment that prevents convicted uh, people who are serving a felony sentence from voting. Currently in Massachusetts, you can actually, if you are in prison, 
uh, uh, vote if you are being held on a civil commitment, if you are being held, um, if you're serving a sentence for a misdemeanor, or if you are in a pretrial, um, or if you're in a pretrial detention, which by the way, most people who are incarcerated in the United States, in Bristol County, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and in the United States, are being held on pretrial detention. So they have not yet been convicted of the thing that they are being held for. So that could be an issue of someone's being held on some sort of 58A or it could be the uh, or it could be the case that they can't afford their bail. So I think our prison population currently in the United States is 2.3ish million. It's a little bit over 2 million. I say a little bit over like the difference is like a little bit over like 300,000 people. It's kind of crass to say I think a little bit over, but we're going to say 2.3 million perhaps two and a half million somewhere in that range so um currently i believe there's only a few states that still bar convicted felons from voting entirely i think it's uh, like even if you get out once you get out of prison you cannot vote it's a felon uh, it's a um it's a it's a total disenfranchisement and that's kentucky I'm going to say it's Kentucky, Iowa. I know Florida had originally re- overturned that law. And then I think they, you know, DeSantis did some weird stuff. And I don't know if it's still around. It might still be. I think if DeSantis could help it, it definitely would be. And maybe he can, and it is. Because um, it came in just as he was elected back in uh, back in uh, 2018. Um, I think it might have been a referendum that was voted on. Which again, I think shows you the change in attitudes. If you have a you know Republican governor elected at the same time, the state overturn you know the the, the voters overturn a amendment that could, keeps convicted felons from voting. I think it shows you how much the attitudes have changed. I mean, even Donald Trump pretended to care about people in prison for a bit because it was politically popular. Um, you know his uh, you know his 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 legislation that he passed his legislation that he passed. Um, uh, in the um, in the lame duck session of Congress in 2018, because he needed a, uh, in 2018 because he had just gotten walloped and he needed a win. Um, you know, even he had to pretend to care about people um, who are incarcerated. So again, I think attitudes have shifted significantly, and I, I think I think this is a good. I think this would be a good thing um, to allow for more engagement from people. And I, I think people in prison in general should be able to vote not just you know this is in massachusetts you can if under certain circumstances but even you know but can people who are serving a felony sentence for one reason or another cannot i don't understand the logic behind that honestly i don't understand why um that is a rule beyond like emotional reasons that people can think of but when we think about you know what it means to be a citizen what it means to uh, what it means to be a citizen, what it means to, you know, the, the, the rights that are supposed to be guaranteed, guaranteed to you. And I know some of those rights are, are taken from you when you are incarcerated, but I don't know why the right to vote shouldn't be because eventually 99.99% of those prisoners who are being held are going to get out of the, uh, are going to 
be released from prison. And even while they're in prison, they deserve the right to uh, elect somebody who represents them, who, uh, a right to elect somebody who's going to represent them in their state, local, uh, their state, municipal, and federal government. Eventually, they're going to come out, and we're, the expectation is going to be that they're going to re-engage with the society outside of the prison walls and hopefully be um, uh, a less transgressing, transgressive participant, right? And I think a good way to do that is to, I think, begin a discussion on civ- uh, about civics and civic engagement while they are while they are there. I, I believe in Maine. I mm, oh so actually in Illinois they allowed um I think in Illinois they 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 allowed was it in Illinois they allowed the I think they allowed certain prisoners to vote and then and they, they ended up having a higher turnout than the city of Chicago like it was like twenty four percent and then the city of Chicago was like twenty percent and it'd be actually getting people very engaged. Uh, very, very engaged in the um, in the in, in the discussion. And what's funny enough about it is that um, in a lot of cases, that people who are being held in <laughs> people who are being held in prison are people are being held people are being held in in um, in prison are often counted among the census population, right? So they're being counted among the population, but they can't vote. It's almost like the three-fifths provision in the Constitution, it seems like. So it's an interesting proposal. You know, I I actually reached out to one of the legislators uh, that is involved in that, hoping they can come on at some point. uh, I had had one of them on uh, a few years back when I was was still doing the Marcus Farrow show. And uh, it was about a different topic, but I, I think this will be a constructive conversation. Maybe one I can talk to the uh, the sheriff about when he's on on Thursday. I'm sure he'll have some opinions on it. 508-996-0500. See some app chat messages. We'll get to them after I take this break. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. Kids across America are going to school hungry. Millions of kids every day. Hungry kids get sick more often and can struggle in school. It can be harder for them to focus and learn. But one simple thing can help change all of this for a hungry child in America. Good healthy food and the energy it brings. With help from caring people across America... No Kid Hungry is providing healthy meals and hope to hungry kids so they can build better futures. We want to ensure that all of our kids have healthy meals every day. Thank you. Thank you for helping feed our kids. To learn more about ending child hunger in America, go to helpnokidhungry.org today. Our connections make powerful things happen. Uniting individuals and communities. We are Rotary. We are people of action. With over 1 million members, we know what people can do when they come together. Around the world, generations of leaders build new friendships and solve problems. 
turning great ideas into reality. Take action with us. Find out more at rotary.org slash action. Hi, I'm News Correspondent Bob Woodruff. In 2006, a roadside bomb struck the armored vehicle I was riding in while reporting from Iraq. I sustained a life-threatening traumatic brain injury. The military term, got your six, means I have your back. And that day, our service members had mine. During my recovery, I learned firsthand the challenges facing our service members who return home with injuries. While serving, their fellow service members always had their six. Now that they're home, it is our turn. We started the Bob Woodruff Foundation to make sure that the camaraderie and support they relied on in the military carries on. And we need you. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative and help us be there for impacted veteran service members and their families. They've had our backs. It's time we have theirs. Learn more at gotyoursix.org. That's gotyoursix.org. Using the number six. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events like a date with my wife or going out together with my family and friends. Things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Vectix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. Take South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast tonight. Welcome back. It's Weezer. So is the last song. It was also Weezer. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the show. We'll also take a message in the app chat. A nap chat for Polly in New Bedford asking, what is the most well-known uh, Portuguese restaurant in New Bedford? Actually, make that the South Coast from the Cape to RI, owned by two of the hardest working families in the restaurant business. Well, that sounds like an ant- a question that you may know or a series of questions that... You may know the answer to. So interested to hear uh, what your thoughts are uh, on on that very specific question. So uh, whoever it, uh, it's it's I don't know. Yeah, you're going to have to um, you're going to have to tell me I have an I, I have a few ideas, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you uh, I'm going to let you tell me. Uh, but we're also taking your app chat messages at five zero eight nine nine six. 500 that's how you can join in on the uh, on the conversation I was talking about um, we're just talking about the proposal that will uh, a proposal by uh, two state lawmakers that would essentially reinstate the right to vote for for felons serving a 
uh, currently serving a sentence. Now, Massachusetts right now, if you're a fe- convicted felon, you can still vote after. Um, you can still vote after. You uh, you can still vote after that. You can still actually vote while you're being held on suspicion of of that um, of that felony until you get convicted. But when you're currently convicted, you're unable to vote. So, I think it's a good idea to roll that back. I think everybody else should. Uh, I think everybody else should as well. Um, if I think if we're going to look at voting. I think, you know, as what it should be, a, a fundamental right, then, we, you know, we've got to start finding ways to guarantee that more people are able to participate in this, um, in this democratic, uh, in this democratic process. And, uh, oh, but Mark, it's a constitutional republic. Those things are not mutually exclusive. So I know someone's going to say that. But let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hi, good evening. Um, I'm all in on uh, prisoners having the right to vote. That's good. In Massachusetts, anyways, I think that it's an important thing. Yeah. Um, very important. I mean, you know, if you're on welfare, you have the right to vote. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean, I don't, I don't know how those two things correlate necessarily. People are. I think they correlate a lot. I think that when you're awarded a state as a prisoner, you're also awarded a state. As a welfare recipient, you're proving that you can't support yourself, feed yourself, house yourself, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, provide for yourself or your children. So you're really a ward of the state, and you have a right to vote. Prisoner, he's confined. He is a ward of the state, also. And perhaps they're both disenfranchised. I don't see no law against disenfranchised people having a right to vote. Well, that's what he got. Disenfranchisement is the is what it is it's it's a it's you know you're you're disenfranch- it disenfranchises the loss of the right to vote the franchise I mean, the, fran- the franchise sick. being the right to vote yeah well the thing is is you're disenfranchised by virtue of the fact you're not you're just you're just not participating in mainstream society yeah you have no land you have nothing couldn't afford a poll tax if we had a poll tax it used to be two dollars to vote so the thing is, uh, that's why I think voter ID is very important. But uh, the thing is, is that if you are disenfranchised, and a lot of people that vote, like Elizabeth Warren always gets over 2 million votes. A lot of those are disenfranchised people voting for, uh, obviously. I mean, uh, just do the math of how many eligible voters there are. There's a million and a half in the uh, Democrat Party, 500,000 in the Republican Party, and 2.5 million in the Independents. Yeah. So that adds up to about 5 million. She gets uh, she gets two million votes, so she's getting votes from everywhere. I'm not going to break it down no further than that, like women, men, or whatever. But obviously, um, she's popular. But uh, the thing is, why should why should Liz Warren be denied her votes? Well, Liz, Liz Warren is business can't vote. I say welfare can't vote. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I think they shall be able to vote. I, I I still don't necessarily agree with people who are in government assistance being wards of the state but you know it's a little bit i think a little bit more complicated than that well the thing let's let's agree on one thing they're not in control of their lives either side whether whether they think they're Uh free living in society you're not going to put people in jail because they're broken downhearted and got bad health maybe and they can't support or feed themselves or their children clothe them or you know it's not it's not always their fault Majority of people do need uh, do need benefits uh, sent to. It's it's sad. It's a state of affairs. 
and we're good with it because we're bringing in a lot of illegal people too, who have got no no better, no leg up on anything either. So, and some of them will be prisoners also. Should they have the right to vote? Since you gave them driver's license, I say yeah. I think everybody should have a right to vote. Years ago, it was discretionary. You had to own land to vote. Yeah, and it's not like that anymore. Yeah. You don't have to own anything to vote anymore. It, you come out of Kent City it, and cast a ballot. Andrew Jackson was considered to be very progressive by a lot, by uh, you know basically uh, leading the charge to help non landowners, still white men, but non landowner uh, landowners the right to vote. So we've definitely moved in the right direction there. Hey, listen, I got to take this break. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Um, William from New Bedford says, "Where do you think? Who do you think all those newly? What party do you think all those newly minted vo- uh, voters would vote for?" I mean, I don't really care. Uh, honestly, um, I don't think it matters. Uh, you know, it's funny actually to that end because I, I think I think the point is like, oh, you you just want more Democratic voters. I would say maybe most of them. Um, but you know, it's funny. I was watching a, a, a quick. It was a little bit older video. Trump was president at the time. Um, Trump was president at the time, and uh, they were interviewing a, a, a an inmate in, in Maine who was leading sort of the civics discussion group in the, in the prison. And, uh, you know, the, the guy was, I, I think, a reliable, voted reliably, reliably voted Democrat. But he said Donald Trump at the time, this is again, this was, I think, early 2020. So before COVID, um, he said Donald Trump was very popular in the uh, among that group, um, among that group of the inmates. So, I mean, uh, you know, do I think... Do I think most of them would vote Democrat? I don't know. Maybe. But I don't think it matters what party they'd vote for. I think people should have the right to vote. Again, I, and again, I'm not entirely sold on that that notion either. So i got to take this break. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Um, I want to talk about the Prop 2.5 override. And uh, I'm going to. Or proposed Prop Two and a Half override, and I'm going to, because I see a lot of um, Two and a Half override or Two and a, vote no on Two Point Five. I again, uh, I think I generally get the message, but it's not entirely clear. So, but I also don't want to. I don't know. I want to make fun of people who are being civically engaged, right? Um, but we're going to talk a lot about that probably throughout the discussion you know it's going to be a lengthy discussion so 508-996-0500 we'll stick your messages on the app chat and again will Senat of the new bedford light is going to be on at at nine o'clock so looking forward to talking to will then um So I'll see you guys on the other side of the news. Stay tuned for the news. I'll be back on and right after the news, right after the 8 o'clock news, and we can continue uh, talking. I mean, we can talk about this if you want. Uh, I was going to move on to the Prop 2.5 discussion because I think that's really, really important as well, um, especially for a lot of people in uh, in Fairhaven and actually even other towns because this, this might be something that you may have to – you know, maybe an issue that you're coming across. I think Dartmouth's talking about it as well, an override at two and a half. So we'll we'll um we'll talk more about it in the eight o'clock hour. So stay tuned. This is South Coast tonight.